0: Friends, welcome. Uh, sorry, just a little bit late. We were already having too much fun. Just warming up. I'm Lee Henson Hasty, um, Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development at the Presbyterian Foundation. This is a ministry of the Committee on Theological Education. And the newest member, whichever side he's on, um, of that committee is uh, Jose Irazari. Although he's he's also a returning member <laughs> in many capacities to that committee we just met last week. He's on that uh, committee now, not as elected member, not as a representative of, um, of a new school now, as the new president um, of um, Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary, Jose uh, El Presidente. Thanks for being here today. Uh, on, back on the show, my first return guest, um, talking about starting ministry well. Thanks for your time.
1: No, thank you for the invitation, uh, Lee. Um, we, have,
0: we were having fun
1: because uh, we have been working together for, uh, for years.
0: For and years. I have
1: developed a friendship that I really appreciate. And so thank you for this invitation. It's an honor.
0: Uh, well, you. thanks so much. And others who are joining us live, please let us know you're here in the comments. Questions you have. Uh, we'll be talking about starting Ministry Well, about discernment, about transitioning, so, um, a big topic now because uh, the world's all changing, and um, and Jose is is a good guide along that way. Jose, we have known each other for some time, and I actually uh, friends will post you know links to Austin Seminary um, and the announcement. He just began at the end of August as president. So, thanks. I mean, really, in the first month here, um, I look back. And uh, I th- will put a link to this, too, is I wrote a post about you in September of 2009. Jose R. Irizarry, a gift to the PCUSA, so and I still feel that way. Um, but I reminded myself, reading that um, in my in my blog, um, just so many things that that you're a gift while you're a gift. I mean, you're not only an of of the University of Puerto Rico. You're not only an alum of, of, of McCormick Seminary and Northwestern, you're a religious educator, you're, um, you're a leader, you're involved in Hispanic Theological Initiative, this Hispanic summer program. You've been a doctoral ministry director. That's where we first encountered each other. You really pushed and guided me along that way. You're a children's book collector, you're a musician, you're a dance salsa dancer, you're, um, just so many things you also collect turtles he collects turtles um and i i wrote then and i think it's still true jose is like the turtle and the tortoise and the hare he keeps moving forward and i think that's the kind of leader and that's the kind of leadership about i think that's important as people are starting something new we always want to jump and move really fast but moving at a, at a, at a, at a a turtle's pace. I don't know why you all collect turtles, but that's what I had in mind. Um, Thanks again for being here. And as, as you know, we start with a discernment question. Often it's the question about from Howard Thurman about what is making you come alive or Katie Cannon. That is, um, what is the work your soul must have, but, you taught me a new question just in the last few moments from uh Ada Maria Asasi Diaz who's actually asked you this question um, what is the life story you celebrate and i think you were important it's important that last word today, today. yeah <laughs> what, is, what is the life story you celebrate today
1: yeah and i like the the to emphasize it today because uh, ada maria asked the question in the context of what she calls La Lucha, or the daily struggle. Mm. Understanding that uh, every day will bring different challenges, every day will bring different questions.
0: And so it's
1: important to celebrate the story of today. And I will say that today, uh, what, what, what I celebrate is, um, in, in ways I have not celebrated uh, in past years, is community. Mm. Because I have come to value once again the meaning of a tight, close community as I started this work here Mm -hmm. um, of intentional and deep community. Um, And to be honest, that energizes me. Um, It also takes from you at the end of the day a lot of energy. (laughs) Um, Everyone around you is excited. About your presence in the community and how they can contribute and support you, um, that can be exhausting at times, but it's always welcome. I, I feel like coming back. I was uh, commenting uh, to my wife the other day. I, I feel like I have become a, church, uh, a congregational pastor again. <laughs> it feels like that. I, I I knew there was some pastoral sort of role here, but it's more than pastoral. It's more of being in the midst of a living community mm. that requests time. And it's not only time for work, but time to be together.
0: You know, right.
1: Time to just enjoy relationships. Worship.
0: Worship together. Time right? for
1: worship, to worship together, which <laughs> worship here at Austin, it's let me tell you,
0: uh, <laughs>
1: it's mind blowing. Uh, really, we have great people here in liturgics and music, and it's always a pleasure, just a joy to go to worship. Um, and. And I will say, this is how close this community is. Yesterday, so the story of today. Yesterday, uh, I was in my office and I had this little um, thermometer here. And, and, you know, I'm in Austin. Uh, My office was 61 degrees. (laughs) That's cool. It was very cool. And I just told one person, you know, let's check what happens with the AC. This morning, Everyone I encountered said, do you need a jacket for your office? Shall I bring you coffee? Um, I have a heater. I have a heater in my office. Do you want it? So that kind of, first of all, very fast communication that, right. in community this whole, <laughs> that you have to be careful what you say, but also at the same time, they're listening that, right uh,
0: now too. So yeah, but, but it, <laughs>
1: that's good because they know, they know who they are. They know they are like that. Uh, I think um, Austin Seminary is very aware. The community is very aware of how caring they are. And I have been surprised about that. Uh, so mm-hmm. I would say that that's what I celebrate today, that deep and intentional community.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That I may, I, that's always been my sense of being around you and all the different locations. And by the way, friends, just in the last six years, um, sort of the I think the wonderful Wizard of Oz as the Vice President of uh, of Education at the Board of Pensions. A lot of folks go to Credo. And they don't don't realize sort of uh, what happens all behind the scenes. But you've just done such a beautiful job. And those are places where community is created, too. um, But I I think you being in that sort of live community, it all really makes sense. I just got through listening to um, the sermon you preached, which if you go to the Austin website, you can can listen also from earlier this month. Um, I don't know the title of the sermon, but the key question is, why are we here? Um, which is a great question. A lot of people are asking. Um, and um, well, Joyce Riviera has joined us and uh, and so glad, glad to have you here um, and, and has some questions there. Jose is also taught at Villanova University. One of the things um, I think is really interesting, um, I, I have to ask you about before we really get going and maybe it plays into um this about discernment um, we I want to start with this sermon but um, you have a background in international and intercultural relations justice theory critical uh, pedagogy aesthetics of space I know Lib Caldwell was important information of that for you um, but also religious teratology that's a new word for me but after I looked it up I understand because Monster. I, <laughs> <Am> I right <laughs> uh, and Um, Monsters. I know that was a very popular class on 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 uh, religion, uh, aliens and monsters that you taught at Villanova University. Um, What is it? I don't know if any of that informs how you discern or or how you think theologically. I think it must. Um, And it's not something most people are thinking about.
1: (laughs) Well, everything, everything that you have mentioned, really, uh, you you know, this is how the mind works. Um, we select topics. People think that scholars select topics out of air. Um, I think that we connect our stories and the, the questions that are important for us in life, we connect those to, um, to some frameworks that are out there that we can use to analyze mm-hmm. um, what is important for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, um, the aesthetic of, aesthetics of, of space for me are so important because places of ministry are defined not only by people and their personalities, but also by the spaces mm. where those, those people inhabit. Mm. So I always say, when you, when you are new in ministry, so I'm getting to the question about how to start well. When you are new in ministry, you have to be consistently looking at both, the people mm. who make that context, but also the spaces there they inhabit because those spaces are embedded mm-hmm. with stories. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and looking at how people use space mm-hmm. is essential to the relationship you create in that space. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so aesthetic of spaces is important for me. Teratology or discussing monsters is really a way or a framework to define how we construct the idea of the other
0: the other right so how
1: and this is part of intercultural relations this means like before you have a conversation before you start a communication with people who you conceive to be different from you for whatever mm-hmm. reason because there are many reasons you can conceive the other person to be different once you create this idea of difference then you start constructing yourself mm-hmm. subjectively right. how that difference looks like. Um, sometimes it's life-giving; it's something you like. But sometimes that difference is something that terrorizes you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the idea of the monster helps us as a metaphor to explore those deep psychological, I would say, uh,
0: dynamics that happen
1: when we are building our idea of the other.
0: Uh, well, and when you're, you're starting a new place or even in the discernment process, and you're, I mean, maybe you walked around Austin Seminary or Austin, Texas, you know, which is friends that sits right on, literally on the edge across the street from the University of Texas, one of the largest state universities, large universities in the country of the world, I guess. Um, you know, there's uh, there's a lot that's foreign. To you right I mean this was not uh, I know you have some connections there but this is new these are new spaces new places new people um, so what do you do you you h- how do you get to know that difference and I, I see I hear you saying that some people think that that is um, you know you can be be at an arm's length there are a lot of folks who want to be at an arms length so how do you get that intimacy or that connection? Um, there, I mean, even yeah. if it's a place that feels comfortable, but it's still different or alien or foreign, yeah, yeah. You, I mean,
1: I like that distinction because you're right, you can feel comfortable, but you have to be aware that you don't own the familiarity <laughs> of the context, meaning right. that even
0: you if don't have, if, the stories, you, those
1: aren't your stories, right? Before you arrive to a place of ministry that is new, yeah, God has been there. Amen. And it has been there with people and just inhabiting again spaces. And you have to enter with uh, the humility of someone who will take his or her shoes and step into that holy place uh, to encounter some sort of revelation about God. Um, and I'm not talking only about the seminary, I'm talking also about the streets. Um, right. I have been so surprised. One of the things about being new at a place is that you bring a different kind of lens to look at things. And that that lens is the, I will call it the lens of wonder. It's almost (laughs) like childlike. You know, um, everything that seems normal to people who are here, for me, become, uh, you you know, a a sort of a a moment of wonder. And there are two good things that you do when you are in a place of wonder. First, you ask, the appropriate questions, mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. you're trying to understand. So that mm-hmm. that's that's I think it's important. Mm-hmm. And the second one is that you notice things that other people do mm-hmm. not notice. That um, that I would say that clearly, uh, because you are focusing your attention in ways that people who live that context every day are not focusing their attention. And I think for a leader, that's important. I think it is important to give focus attention to the new place. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly, I'm going to be honest. um, Some people, when we do this, um, sometimes we think that we can start anew, you know, seeing things anew. But we bring traces from our prior ministry, our prior life, you know, there's some of Philadelphia in me, right. That is framing my vision right. of Austin. Sure. Um, and some of Puerto, as, Rico, some, some of, of Puerto Rico, some of Chicago, some <laughs> of Chicago, some <laughs> of uh, Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so, so, being aware of those traces, it's important because those traces can either hinder, yeah, your the way you engage a new this context, or it can actually be an asset.
0: Mm-hmm. but if right. you
1: cannot distinguish those things that you bring it, it it's, it's it's then you cannot get intimate with the context mm-hmm. um i i have i have seen myself using the word lately vernacular
0: mhm um like there's a local there's some local
1: sort of ways that,
0: yeah, words are used in a particular my my daughter is in an english class and they're studying yes. things like slang and and um you know different kinds of uses of words, and you have to pay attention to those things because people use it differently, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and you're at least bilingual. I don't know, maybe trilingual. Italian is that also yeah, part? Yeah. Of
1: <laughs> yes. So, so the the vernacular concept, I like it because um, it points to something we have to learn, and is that when we arrive to a place that is new, once we go through the transition. Um, It is important to understand um, how people speak about that place, Mm -hmm. but also how people live within that space. Mm -hmm. When I use the word vernacular, you immediately talk about linguistics.
0: Yeah, it's not not all all that. that.
1: But it's not all that. Interestingly enough, um, medieval theology, actually, a late medieval theology, brought the concept of vernacular into... Uh, theological um wow. theological register contextual in medieval times. Yes, it was it was contextual. However, we we ceased using that mm-hmm. concept. Start using the word context a lot, um, and then linguistics took on vernacular sort right. of of discussions. However, not even linguistics is used in vernacular today. Okay. I was trying to Google because I was trying to get some books on vernacular, and the people who are writing more about the vernacular are architects. Wow. Space. That's something you care about. And then goes back to space because what they're saying is architects want always to build something new. Yeah. They don't want to replicate. Right. Some of them are, you know, part of their fame is to create this avant garde, this new thing that people will admire. But you have to recognize as you build something new in this new place mm-hmm. that it has to be aligned with the landscape. Yeah. It oh, can well. be different. It can be new. It can be innovative. But if it's not aligned with the landscape, mm-hmm. which is vernacular, that's the vernacular, what is there already, what is going to happen? That building will be isolated. Right. And it will be useless because people who live in that context. Will find, will find themselves out of place in that new building. Yeah, And, and the, that building will be isolated. And sometimes, honestly, if I can transpose this to the context of ministry, I have heard many ministers working at Cradle, of course, right. and working at the board where I have the opportunity to, to have conversation with ministers. Isolation is one of the things that is pointed frequently. I do all this work and I feel isolated. Right. So if I transpose this idea, it will be, is that because we are not aligning mm. our very good ideas, our very good initiatives and work to the landscape
0: right. that was
1: already in place when you arrived with this you're, great idea?
0: So um, I, you can't really, I don't, you haven't come to visit here yet. We'll have to do that. Um, you. But we're, we live in a, um, a 1912 arts and crafts home. And the arts and crafts movement was very much about, I mean, you know this from Chicago. I mean, really grounded with Frank Lloyd Wright, like integrate into the landscape. You have these yes. long lines and what have you. And, it's, and it is very much keyed into spaces. So a lar- there's a large porch because they mm-hmm. want to create community out on the street, what have you. And that's really an interesting question for church leaders in particular, because there's so many you inherit these spaces and and traditions and what have you, some that don't align with the landscape. It's a great question. And and I think starting in ministry, you can see and hear and understand that dissonance maybe more so than ever. I mean, you have just a couple of months or a year. I don't know how long you have, you know, where (laughs) you start. Your your story is so interwoven into, you know, the stories that are there and the spaces that you don't see those things and notice them. So um, that's, re- I think that's really, really helpful. Um, so how did you know this was the place, though? How did you know? What was well, it? <laughs> again, because as I
1: said before, the focus of good leadership is relationships. Mm-hmm. And the first relationship that has to be, A point of conviction is your relationship with God, Mm. understanding that you have been called to that place. Mm -hmm. When we start second guessing that, (laughs) that's when we start, when the problems start, really. So so there's a trust, there's a
0: faith and a trust in your relationship with God. Uh, Exactly.
1: That relationship is the one that has to be the base of every other relationship Mm -hmm. and, and understanding that. And it it takes time because, to be honest, it work. (laughs) This wasn't just an invitation, and I say yes, I'm here. Lord, uh, you know, uh, use me. No, Uh, like every (laughs) other call is like, yes, I'm here, but I'm not going. Um, Until then, you start looking into those other places in the landscape where you see God working Mm -hmm. and connecting to your passions Mm -hmm. and connecting to your. Imagine connecting to your imagination mm-hmm. and connecting to the ways you uh, you believe the church can continue to be um, um, a community of impact mm-hmm. in the communities where they are and in the world mm-hmm. against all the narratives mm-hmm. that we hear today right. regarding church decline and regarding do- we are realistic. Yes. Mm mm-hmm but centering God's relationship, we are also hopeful. Well, perhaps radically hopeful, you know? Yeah.
0: I hear that, you know, everything you're saying is very hopeful. Some, you said something about, um, asking the right questions, having that moment of wonder, you know, some people that, that moment of wonder is a moment of fear, you know, when they're in a strange place or even thinking about being a part of another place or another call, you know, um, I really like that, um, that there's an, kind of a curios, a holy curiosity um, there and I've always experienced you that way as a lover of children's books and 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 and, um, and the way you way you approach life both academically and personally yeah. um, I think that's very very helpful um, but Lee I don't want to create a split between the
1: hopeful and the fearful okay there right. so, should not be a dichotomy okay let's go back to teratology to the monsters. Uh, which basically is related to the holy, which is, yes, there's some sort of certainty in faith, Mm -hmm. but some fear and terror is also part of it. Encountering the holy is always... Oh, there's awe. A moment where that awe uh, brings some fear. Um, That's a good catalyst, too.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: To to actually... uh, become closer to the community. Um, You know, I come from a country uh, just last week, you heard about the hurricane in Puerto Rico Mm. and um, uh, praying for our brothers and sisters and siblings in um, in Florida at this moment, right, um, in Cuba. Um, and, And it's unfortunate, but it is at those moments of great fear that we rediscover ourselves as an actual real Community. Mm. Um, That's when we say we have to do something together if Mm -hmm. we are going to move into the future. Um, So I would say let's don't that fear, yeah, Uh, and 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 basically use it as a springboard for more creative work.
0: That's. I mean, that's you you read that sort of uh, through scripture too. That's very helpful. And I'm thinking somebody taught me early on. In ministry i'm not sure who it was you know about you know um if you're feeling a little too comfortable before you step in the pulpit i'm not you know that's be careful you know don't be yeah. so sure i mean you know <laughs> uh, in terms of bringing you know hopefully a, a word of gospel and good news truth um in that moment there and i i, I do i always feel a little sick to my stomach <laughs> and that i'm okay with that yeah <laughs> i'm okay yeah. with that that makes total sense friends thanks for being here any questions comments you have i see our common friend uh the reverend dr ken kovacs from catonsville maryland has tuned in. um thanks for being here ken what a gift you are glenn bell from the Preston foundation thank you uh and joyce uh, rivera thank you for being here it sounds like she's into some discernment herself um and uh, let's see, she asked uh, a really good question here. I'm going to show it. Um, she's a Bible teacher for 16 years, a master in history, and feel God is leading her to work in ministry through an organization, but don't know how, what to do next, sort of like that first step. She's wondering how you got to where you are today and, and that alignment with God's where God is calling you. So what, what are some first steps people who are starting to sense maybe Um, let me go back to the, um, thank you for the question, uh, (laughs) Joyce, um, thank you for
1: being here. And, and again, I, sometimes when people ask me these questions, I, 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 kind of get a little bit, um, anxious because, uh, there's no formula really Yeah. starting well, there's no formula to discovering, uh, who you're called to be, um, that can be replicated, um, um, it doesn't matter how many books you read on, you know, the ten steps to right. understanding your 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 vocation, um, but I will say I will go back to the to the important issue of relationships uh, because leadership, as I said before, is relational, and one of, it is one of the things we forget because we are so um, uh, how will I say we are so empowered by the call. We feel Mm -hmm. so free to self-expression that we create some self-expectations without looking at how other people can help us identify what are the gifts that we have Mm -hmm. and how we can use them. So I will invite anybody who is in the same place in vocational discernment to just get, you know, away from the idea that has to be a personal decision right? and understand that you have a community around yeah. you that starts with your family, where you can start asking the questions, where do you see myself? That doesn't mean you're going to follow what everybody says, because then you're going to do like a hundred things. But those those conversations help you discover within yourself, what are some of those gifts people are seeing in you that can add value to whatever community you're trying to serve?
0: So, mm-hmm.
1: just lean on other people.
0: Well, it circles back, and I can't believe our time is, is, is flying by here. It circles back to that what's making uh, your story, your life story come alive today is around community. And leaning into that community uh, that you're not alone is so very important. It's a reform concept. I see another part of our community, Ville Marie Citrono Vieri, former moderators here with us. Um, she she puts an exclamation point on the creativity rises in moments of crisis. Um, yes. like that's 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 so important. There's some dissonance. There's some creative energy going there for and sure. Let's,
1: let's remember that Bill Marie is right now in Miami. So right. We are praying for you, Bill Marie, for Jose, and
0: all the people in the church
1: in Florida. So.
0: Amen amen tampa all the way all the way and it looks like it may circle up into south carolina i mean it's hurricane season that's for sure um prayers for everyone um friends thanks all for being here jose thank you for being here um i'd love if you in a moment no we're almost but yes it's 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 i know we gotta this is the way it was last time we need to we need to expand to an hour or something but um uh, I would love for you to give a blessing uh, for us before we go a charge, but let me invite folks in two weeks. Um, another common friend, uh, the Reverend Dr. Hunter Farrell, um, who is in, uh, at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, helps direct their World Mission Initiative. He will be on the show. He's just recently co-authored a book, very important book, Decolonizing Congregational Mission, Uh, to talk about that. Hope you'll join us for that. Um, The week, also in October, Keisha McKenzie from Auburn Seminary on moral leadership. Um, So that will be exciting. We have a great lineup this fall that um, Kian DeCreecey-Dean, Beth McCall, and then uh, Ruth Santana-Grace and Siobhan Starling-Lewis, our current co-moderators, are going to be with us. Um, And uh, But first, let me just say again, Jose, it is so true. You are a gift to the church and the world and to so many of us who, have, who are friends uh, and a mentor. you've been mentors, mentor for us and so many. Um, thank you for who you are, what you're doing. Thank you also for accepting that call. Uh, to Austin Seminary, prayers as uh, that you continue to start well and everything goes well. We're excited about your leadership there at Austin Seminary in that place, that context, with those people at this particular moment. And um, uh, I hope everyone will join me in those prayers. I see people already are. So thanks again. Could Thank you, you bless you. us as we go?
1: I will, and my blessing to you. Um, it's basically related to our conversation today. So I will want to leave you with these words. Uh, enter to the places of your calling to be encountered by the holy. Be always prompted by the mystery of God's presence so that in leading, you are caringly led. In listening, you are attentively listened to. Mm. And in loving, you are unconditionally
0: Amen. Amen. And hallelujah. Thanks. Thanks so much, Jose, and everyone for being here. Blessings on you. We'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you, everybody.